Are you ready for a paranormal story that brings you not only a haunted location, but also some tales of some famous Old West figures that you've probably heard of? If so, fasten your belt buckles and hold on to your cowboy hats as here we go. Welcome back to another fact-based paranormal episode from this open-minded skeptic and your host, me, Michelle. Join the Paranormal Exposed podcast on Wednesdays as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what might just be in between. I will present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. Join me in exposing the paranormal. I have really been looking forward to releasing this particular episode, and that is because this is the last of the 50 states to be covered in this podcast. Poor South Dakota somehow became the last episode, but don't feel bad, anybody who lives or is from South Dakota, because remember, we always save the best for last. On another note, not only is this the last of the 50 states to be covered, but it's also the final episode of season two. So if you are looking for an episode to drop next Wednesday, I wouldn't look too hard as there will not be one. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast during this hiatus, I would recommend you follow on social media for more details on the possibility of season three. For the episode in South Dakota, I will be covering the story of Saloon Number 10 and the famous Death Chair. To cover this episode, we have to head out to a place called Deadwood, South Dakota, which already sounds like a spooky location. So let's get into it and see what we find. Deadwood is a town located near the southwestern border of South Dakota in what are known as the Black Hills, which for any of you motorcycle riders or fans, this is not far from where the famous Sturgis Rally is held every year, if that gives you a little bit of a point of reference. The Black Hills are a remote mountain range that are located not only in South Dakota, but also in Wyoming. From a distance, the Black Hills appear black, which is how they got their name in the first place. Now, the town of Deadwood actually got its name because it was surrounded by a ton of dead trees. Now, this might sound strange, and you might be wondering why these dead trees might have been in Deadwood. Well, out west, this is not uncommon, as the northwest region of the Black Hills, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, all of that are pretty dry regions, and droughts, forest fires, things like that are not uncommon due to the dry conditions in the region. The Black Hills were actually home originally to an indigenous tribe known as the Lakota tribe. This region was especially important to them as they felt that this land was 
very, very sacred. To give you some context with that is they actually referred to the Black Hills as the heart of the turtle, with the turtle being the entire continent of North America and the heart being the Black Hills. So as you can tell, the heart would have been a very important part of anybody and the Black Hills were so sacred that it was the beating heart of their entire area. In the 1800s, land disputes were taking place between the Lakota tribe and settlers who were pushing out west. It became such an issue because there was tons of squabbles. Many people were getting killed on both the sides of the Americans as well as the Lakota and other indigenous tribes. Because of all the deaths and issues, the government did eventually step in and they signed what was known as the Fort Laramie Treaty in the year 1868. What this treaty did is it was a treaty between the U.S. and the Lakota tribe. What the treaty gave the tribe was a large reservation that included the Black Hills, and there were a few other minute protections that the indigenous people were given in this treaty. Though, that didn't really stop squatters and Americans from continuing to push out west into the Black Hills area. Actually, in the 1870s, the town of Deadwood was actually started as a settlement illegally breaking the treaty. Squatters settled in the area even though it had been promised to the Lakota tribe. So, what did the government do to enforce this treaty? Well, they didn't do anything is the actual answer. They figured that they had signed the treaty, they had done their due diligence, and their hands were clean. They weren't going to really risk any law enforcement or anything going into the area, as I mean, South Dakota and the Black Hills, it wasn't even a state at that time. It was just an American territory. Things kind of went on this way for a couple years until the year 1874, when someone discovered gold in the Black Hills. This was actually kind of the beginning of the end for the Lakota tribe. When the gold rush hit the area, the government immediately was like, hey, we want some of this gold, so what do we do? Well, why don't we just go ahead and nullify the treaty we signed with the indigenous people so we can just go out there and grab whatever gold and resources we want? I could go on and on about the next following decades and what happened, but let's just sum it up. There were many, many battles fought, and many, many people were killed. But overall, in a 25-year span, the Lakota tribe was basically wiped entirely from the area of the Black Hills. Once the tribe was gone, the population of Deadwood soared as high as 25,000 people at the peak of the gold rush, which is huge huge for a time in a settlement where there weren't huge cities like there are today. 
The entire town of Deadwood, South Dakota is actually said to be haunted. And I will actually be covering many of the reasons why that is so in this episode. But I will be focusing on the famous Saloon Number 10 for this episode and not the entire town of Deadwood. Because of the gold rush, the town of Deadwood was actually pretty well known. And this brought some pretty famous Old West figures into town, including people such as Wyatt Earp, Calamity Jane, and Wild Bill Hickok. The town was actually very much known for being a lawless town. It wasn't a place you wanted to just say, let's go push out west and raise our kids here. This was a place where prostitution was rampant, Gambling was common, drinking was out of hand, which led to shootouts and murder being very, very common in the town of Deadwood. In July of 1876, James Butler Hickok, aka Wild Bill, and Martha Calamity Jane Canary rode into town on a wagon train. Wild Bill had many, many names, including the Prince of Pistoliers, and he decided the reason he was coming to Deadwood was he wanted to make money prospecting gold. The problem with this is Wild Bill didn't actually really get around to prospecting very much. Prospecting was not easy. It was really back-breaking work and it would be really hot during the day, it could be really cold at night, and it took a lot of time and energy. And at the end of the day, you might do all of this for nothing. You might find no gold. So Wild Bill ended up actually spending a majority of his time hanging out in his favorite haunt, Saloon Number 10, where he would drink, eat, and gamble. Saloon number 10 was actually named for the placer number 10 that it held. And you might be wondering what a placer number is, as I know I was because I had never heard of such a thing in my entire life. But then again, I'm not really a history buff, so this isn't all too surprising for anybody who has listened to my podcast before. A placer number is actually a claim number for a specific area. And once you have a claim number, the person who owns that claim number has the rights to any minerals that are found on that property. So for example, when you purchase a home, you might not have the mineral rights under your home. That might have to be specified. But if you had a claim number or a placer number, you would have the rights to any gold, any oil, any anything that was found on that property. And the saloon number 10 was built on placer number 10. Wild Bill didn't really have a very positive outlook on his life at this point. He actually confided in his friends that were with him that he didn't think he would ever make it out of the Black Hills alive. I'm not sure the reason he would think that. Maybe he was sick. 
Maybe he was depressed, or maybe he just knew that people had it out for him, because he was known as a pretty bad dude. On August 1st of 1876, Wild Bill wrote a letter to his new bride named Agnes Lake, who, oddly enough, was a circus performer. I'm not sure how the two met. I'm sure it's a good story, and if this was not a paranormal episode, I'd probably look into it a little bit more. But regardless, he wrote to Agnes that if he should die, that her names would be the last words that ever left his lips. Which, even if he was a bad guy, he at least had a little bit of romantic notions in his heart somewhere. The next day, on August 2nd of 1876, Wild Bill went to play poker and have a few drinks at his favorite place, Saloon Number 10. When he entered the saloon, he really wasn't happy. He was a creature of habit, and his normal seat at the poker table was taken. He got in a little bit of a scuffle and argument with the occupant of his seat, but at the end, the occupant refused to move, and Wild Bill had to take another seat, with his back to the door, which he absolutely hated because he hadn't lived this long by sitting with his back to the door. He and a couple other men were playing poker, and as the game progressed, a man named Jack McCall strolled into the saloon. Jack, he was kind of known as the local drunk, and he didn't make the best decisions. And this isn't surprising, as many of us know, if you are drunk, you're not always the best decision maker. Jack slowly made his way through the saloon and up towards Wild Bill's table. When he was about three feet away, standing behind Wild Bill, he began to pull his 45 caliber pistol out of his belt. And as he did so, he yelled, Damn you, take that. He then proceeded to shoot 39-year-old Wild Bill Hickok in the back of the head. Wild Bill died instantly, collapsing from his chair and onto the floor. I doubt he even had the time to say Agnes's name while he died. When Wild Bill died, he was actually holding a hand of cards that is very famous, and many of you poker players probably recognize what is known as the dead man's hand. When he died, he was holding two pair, a pair of aces and a pair of eights. It is thought that if you're holding this hand, that it's pretty bad luck. So maybe don't get it, even though it sounds like a pretty good hand. When Jack McCall realized what he had done, he was like, oh crap. He immediately fled the scene because he didn't want to get hanged for this crime. Unfortunately for him, he was chased down by the local citizens of the town who were not happy that he went ahead and killed this famous citizen. The next day, on August 3rd of 1876, Jack McCall was put on trial for the murder of Wild Bill Hickok, which is pretty impressive because imagine that today, if someone murders someone, they might not get a trial for a year or more. So, Doing it the next day is 
pretty quick. Jack McCall did not deny that he killed Wild Bill, but he said the reason he did it is because Wild Bill had killed his brother back in Kansas, and this was revenge. The jury of Jack McCall's peers actually found Jack not guilty of the murder based on the fact that Wild Bill had killed Jack's brother. This, of course, would not fly today, but in Wild West times when this was not a state, this was not out of the ordinary. Things were different. Jack McCall was let off, and during the trial, Wild Bill was buried in Ingleside Cemetery right next to Deadwood. Jack McCall swiftly left town because he was then widely unpopular for killing Wild Bill. When McCall made it to Wyoming, he began bragging left and right that he was so great because he was the one who was able to take down Wild Bill Hickok. He should have kind of kept his mouth shut because Wyoming officials were not happy about this and ended up arresting Jack McCall and retrying him for his crime. Jack was like, hold up, double jeopardy, I've already been tried for this crime and let off. But the Black Hills were not in U.S. jurisdiction at the time, because remember, South Dakota was not a state. So double jeopardy did not apply, and a trial happened. On March 1st, of 1877, Jack McCall was retried in Wyoming for the murder of Wild Bill Hickok. And this time, he was found guilty of the crime and died by hanging. In 1879, Wild Bill's body was actually exhumed, and it was moved to a more distant cemetery known as the Mount Moriah Cemetery. The reason this happened is the town of Deadwood was rapidly expanding and encroaching upon the old Ingleside Cemetery, so anyone who was buried there was moved to Mount Moriah. You can't really miss Wild Bill's grave as there is a huge bust of him adorning his grave. And if you are a fan of the Wild West and want to visit Wild Bill's grave, you can also visit another famous Wild West figure at the same time. Because in 1903, 27 years later, almost to the day, Calamity Jane was buried next to Wild Bill as her last dying wish. I'm not sure why this was her wish. Maybe her and Wild Bill were just really good friends. Maybe they were lovers. I just don't know, but it was her wish, and she didn't die in a very Old West figure kind of death. She actually died of just good old-fashioned alcoholism, which she probably did from gambling all the time in saloon number 10. Now, in 1879, a fire destroyed most of the town of Deadwood, including the original saloon number 10, where Wild Bill Hickok was killed. During this fire, not only was most of the town destroyed, but also most of any of the city's records. 
the fires did end up destroying buildings many times in the following years because fireproof buildings were not a thing. Everything was made of wood. Everything was highly combustible because the conditions were very, very dry. And this was before electricity was really going to buildings. So everyone was using candles and gas lamps and using fires outside. So it was very easy for things to burn down. As time progressed, they did end up putting up fireproof buildings. And in 1890, the most current building where saloon number 10 is, was built. Over the years, that building ran as many, many different things. It operated as a brothel in the red light district. It was a saloon. It was a Lucky Nugget casino and various other buildings. Over the years, the saloon had many, many businesses that ran out of it. For a time, it was in the red light district and operated as a brothel. It operated as a saloon, the Lucky Nugget Casino, and various other businesses. Then, in 1938, saloon number 10 opened as a theme bar that still continues to this day. Not only is it a bar, but it is also a museum where you can walk around and learn a little bit about the town of Deadwood, Wild Bill, and various other things. You can go there and enjoy a good meal at the steakhouse, a glass of wine with over 160 different wines to choose from, or have a whiskey at the bar with over 170 different whiskeys to choose from, which I'm sure Wild Bill and Calamity Jane would have both enjoyed. There are historical reenactments that are performed daily, including the murder of Wild Bill Hickok. You can experience live music here and gamble in various ways, including poker, slot machines, and blackjack. Now, it is finally time to get into the haunted and paranormal reports that are associated with Saloon Number 10. And there are quite a few. Now, some of the things that happen are people report hearing the piano play by itself, even though no one is sitting at the piano, no one sees the keys moving, and nobody can tell why the piano seems to be playing on its own, because it is not a player piano. People report seeing apparitions as well as shadow people throughout the place. And in addition to seeing the apparitions, they sometimes come with sounds, including ghostly voices that sometimes seem like someone is just whispering in your ear. There is also the feeling of being touched. Sometimes it's on the shoulder. Sometimes it feels just like someone's brushing past you as you walk. The sounds of footsteps are often heard, and sometimes you can even smell a woman's perfume when there's no one around. If you enter the saloon, many people report that they have a general feeling of being uneasy and almost like someone is watching them. 
All these occurrences are quite common and are especially prominent on the second floor. So, one report that does happen only on the first floor is employees report being shoved into the wall by what can only be a malicious spirit. There's also a small child that is said to be haunting here. Many employees have reported seeing the apparition of a young girl on the second floor. Now, it is very possible that children lived and or died here. Now, remember I said that this was a brothel for a time, which when women lived in brothels, they had to keep their children with them. I mean, there was no babysitters. There was no leaving your kids with your mom and dad. They lived with you. This was pretty risky as you have to think there are a lot of angry, drunk men and they want what they want. They don't want little children running around. This could have led to maybe a child being hurt by one of these men, possibly killed. There was also diseases that were very prominent at this time that affected especially small children including diseases such as smallpox, tuberculosis, and typhoid fever. Now, I can't say if a child actually ever died here because, unfortunately, there aren't good accounts of children who would have been born to prostitutes. As these were just ladies of the night, they weren't seen as first-class citizens. Now, speaking of prostitutes, The brothel ran primarily out of the second floor where the saloon is. This could be why many of the reports are said to occur on this second floor. Prostitution was extremely dangerous during this time. And this was for many, many reasons. First off, a lot of women died during childbirth. And these women would have had to do it on their own. And if they didn't die during childbirth, they might die during a botched abortion. This was well before birth control was a thing. And many prostitutes did end up pregnant, but might not wanted to have kept the baby. In addition to death by abortions or having babies, some of these women might have been murdered by jealous lovers or drunk men. And sadly, Some prostitutes saw no way out of this life and ended up taking their own lives. Maybe this is why we hear footsteps, see apparitions, or smell women's perfume. In addition to these people, let's talk about the most famous ghost, and that would be Wild Bill and his death chair. Now, what is the death chair? Well, It is the chair that Wild Bill died in when he was shot by Jack McCall. It is said that if you sit in this chair, you will be ill-fated or even die. Because this chair is said to be so dangerous, it is not in any place that you could accidentally or purposefully sit in it. It is in a glass display case above the front door of the saloon well, well in the air. Now, 
could this chair be cursed after Wild Bill was killed in it? Let's talk about the chair. It wasn't heard of after Wild Bill's death until the year 1948. This is decades and decades and decades after Wild Bill was killed. And when it was heard of again, it was in an ad in a newspaper advertising saloon number 10. In addition to this discrepancy that this wasn't heard of for almost 100 years, the previous owner's daughter did report remembering painting the back of the chair in red for the display. So there are two issues I have with the death chair. But the last one is, how did this chair survive not only the fire after Wild Bill died, but the subsequent fires that ravaged the town and demolished not only saloon number 10, but most of the town? And lastly, her written account from a bartender at the time Wild Bill was killed, this witness stated that Wild Bill was actually sitting in a bar stool, not a chair. Therefore, the famous death chair might be a period piece from back in the day, but it is not the chair that Wild Bill was sitting in when he died. And as far as Wild Bill, why would he haunt this chair and this building and not his grave or maybe not even his actual death site location? Wild Bill did die in saloon number 10, but remember, we don't know the location of the actual original saloon number 10. Not only were all the property records destroyed, but there are many, many locations that claim to be the original location of saloon number 10. These locations include the place where saloon number 10 is today, across the street from this current location, the Eagle Bar, the parking lot of the Fairmont Hotel, the Wild Bill Bar and Trading Post, etc., etc. So maybe Wild Bill and all these Wild West figures and everybody haunts the town of Deadwood for some reason, because many, many locations here claim to be haunted. I will include a link of an investigation that was done on the second floor before it was remodeled into the museum. And in this investigation link, you will be able to see pictures from the investigation and hear some EVP sessions to kind of see what you think, haunted or not. And on a last note, I do want to say one thing that it was really, really nice to see a haunted location that just because the land was settled by indigenous people, it's not reported that it's haunted because there's indigenous burial grounds or the tribe people haunt here because it was sacred land. Because remember, the United States was settled entirely by different indigenous tribes. If we went by this reasoning, every inch of the United States would be sacred land it would be haunted by sacred people from tribes. So remember, these were normal people who had different beliefs than us, 
And not every place is haunted because someone happened to live there. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you have been to the saloon number 10 or not, and if you think it is haunted. Have you had a personal experience, or would you like to share some other facts? Please share any of this feedback by social media or by shooting me an email. Remember, this is the end of season two and the last of the 50 states, so do not look for a new episode next week because you will not find it. If you want to keep up with when new episodes will be coming, please follow on social media as I will update that. You can follow on Facebook by following Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or shoot an email to paranormalexposedpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in and enjoying seasons one and two. And I hope that one day you will be joining me for season three.